Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'm burn out. I tell them I'm not like Hi, y'all. Welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I am your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. And I'm hoping the title of today's episode will really scare my friends. And I know that that is probably not what I should be saying. And I have great friends, I do. But I do hope that posting like how to break up with your friends will maybe put a little extra pep in their step. Maybe someone will bring me coffee. Maybe someone will, you know, ask me how my day is a little bit more. Like, I I'm thinking we can do some good with this podcast episode. So today we have Erin Falconer on the podcast and she is the author of How to Break Up with Your Friends, Finding Meaning, Connection, and Boundaries in Modern Friendships. I love this book and I also love talking about friendship because we focus so much as a society on dating and just romantic relationships as a whole. We really don't focus enough on friendships when more often than not your friendships outlast your romantic relationships. And they're also like equally as important in my opinion. I also a while back, maybe like two years ago at this point, I had a friendship coach on the podcast and that episode was very eye-opening. So I would definitely recommend listening to that one as well. Um, I am someone that like my entire world are my friends. I adore them. I love them. Like I am a happier person when I have better relationships in my life. And I think This book is very helpful. Spoiler alert, I will say only one chapter of the book is about breaking up with your friends. The rest of it is just about having basically healthy friendships and learning how to navigate things and, you know, whatever. I asked Erin on the show today a lot of specific questions that y'all were wondering, questions selfishly that I had. And you guys are, I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode. But before we get into the episode, I have a few things to say, which is not shocking because I never shut up. I literally have a podcast. First thing, we have a huge sale on merch currently. Dear Media is running the summer sale from August 29th to September 9th. Currently, let me just give you a little list of things that are on sale. We have the I Love You So Much Classic Tee, 50% off. The Classic Sweat Shorts, 50% off. Then we have the Breadwinning Housewife Spirit Jersey and Sophie Shorts, both 60% off. And then we have the I Love You So Much Breadwinning Housewife Navy Sweatpant, 75% off. Which, speaking of friends, my friends live in these sweatpants. So do I. I'm currently wearing a new set that I'll talk about in a second. They're the best. And all of you guys ask me when I'm going to restock. We're not restocking anything. So when we drop it, you want to buy it, okay? Then we have the Breadwinning Housewife White Sweatpants, also 75% off, and the Breadwinning Housewife Wine Tumbler, which is 50% off. So you guys want to go shop this sale. It is insane. Get everything. I mean, it's so cheap. Probably the best sale I've ever heard in my life. Speaking of um, Breadwinning Housewife, we have the best set yet and the final set. I don't plan on doing anything else in the clothing realm with Breadwinning Housewife as of right now. Like, I really think that this will be the last set. And then we have one drop at the end of the year that's home stuff that is so fucking good guys like it is so good and you guys will love it we are not restocking and we will not have a ton available so you guys want to make sure september 6th we are dropping these typically i want to say it's 10 a.m pacific standard time noon central and then 1 p.m eastern standard time so this coming tuesday on the 6th we are dropping the Breadwinning Housewife sweat set, okay? The front has this beautiful design. The back, again, on the butt has Breadwinning Housewife. Different font, a little bit bigger, a little bit. It's just cooler, cuter. The design is unbelievable. Like, I love this set. It is my favorite set yet. So 
be sure to set your alarms for Tuesday the 6th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time to shop and also shop the sale because that's crazy. Another thing is like, I felt like we were all friends, guys. And as the like self-proclaimed queen of books, I had no idea that there was this thing called booktube. Like, why did no one tell me? Literally not one of you told me that there is a thing called booktube. If you guys would have told me in 2020 that there was a thing called booktube, which is essentially like YouTube channels about books, I would have been a motherfucking like YouTube sensation, okay? I, if you guys didn't know, I started on YouTube. I still am a YouTuber. Like that is like my, that is my foundation, my home, if you will. It's where I started on the internet. And I still post weekly and I have for like almost a decade and no one has told me this, okay? So I just wanted to let you guys know that I am, I'm dipping my, my toe or my foot. I don't know what that is into booktube and I'm filming book vlogs because that is where I belong. And the fact that not one of y'all told me is crazy. Like I have a bookstagram. I talk about it literally nonstop. No one cared to tell me. So anyways, that is upsetting. I've also become a little, um, little bit of a weightlifting champion, aka I've done about five classes in the past two weeks and I've decided I weightlift about twice a week and I'm a changed person. I'm one of those people where I make everything a personality trait, clearly. And uh, weightlifting has been amazing. And also I think I've become a, white, a lightweight because I have been just so at home, my element, like fall Kinsey Elizabeth vibes, which sounds so annoying that I just said my name in third person, but I've been getting so many stories and TikToks made and I've been tagged in talking about how y'all are so excited for me to enter or re-enter my fall era because that is the prime of my existence. That is the prime of my content. And I just want to say, we've got a lot of booktube videos, my workout videos, uh, they're my vlogs. And then also... I don't know. I haven't really been drinking that much, which is, you know, very out of character. And I want to say I feel really good. But also I had like one marg on Saturday and it ended up being four throughout the day, to be fair. But like, I was just not okay. And I am confused uh, what happened to me. Is this what happens when you turn 25? I don't know. So anyways, I've been talking for a while. So uh, sorry for this long intro. Hope you guys enjoyed. And let's welcome Aaron on to the show. As always, you guys can watch fully on YouTube. We are a vlog cast, if you will, a bod, what is it? A video podcast. So if you guys want to listen or watch, you guys can watch it on YouTube as well. So anyways, let's welcome Aaron on to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm pretty sure before we're even recording that this is going to be like a top hit on the show. Good. <laughs> I like that. It is a really hot topic. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about navigating your 20s, post-grad, even college a little bit. Right. Kind of like past that. But right. <laughs> we're constantly talking about friends. I think it's really hard to make friends in your 20s. Yeah. And then at the same time, you're kind of navigating old friendships right. and maybe growing apart or maybe reconnecting. And it's just, it's kind of, it's very confusing sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the 20s are so exciting and there's so much going on and there's so much change. And you're crossing, you're really crossing a threshold into adulthood in a way that like, it's not about turning 18. This is when most people start to think about career and adulting a little bit more and responsibility. And with that, implicit within that, is having to make choices in an ideal world. Most of the time, we don't make choices. We just kind of keep all of our friendships going. But in a perfect world, making choices around what are the best friend relationships to help support you through the change. And then when you've arrived on the other side of that, kind of manifesting who you want to be and who's the A team, who's your you know starting lineup, of the friendships in your lives that can help support you. And what we don't do is actually think like that at all. And yep. so that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of one of the main genesis of the book is really drawing awareness to this group of people, this relationship group that doesn't get a lot of analysis or thought and yet that's a total missed opportunity because Friendships have the ability to really, really, you know, cultivate greatness in your own life. They help you be supported and seen in a way that you want to be supported and seen. But that only can happen if you're you're really looking at the landscape of the friendships in your life and then making active choices around around your needs. So how do you start to evaluate your friendships? So I have I mean, this is a very little thing, but, you know, there's a litmus test I like to kind of talk about, which is the cell phone litmus test, which is like your cell phone rings and you see XYZ's name come on. What is your gut reaction? Are you like, 
or are you diving to get the phone, right? And we do it all day long. We see people and we just, we have these visceral responses, but we don't pay attention to them, right? And so I talk about the starting point in the book of just taking a, a piece of paper and a pen and writing down everybody that's kind of in the inner circle and then maybe the second tier of your life and just watch your body reaction, your mind reaction to just seeing their name come in front of you. What is the what is the initial kind of response? There's so much information in that. And so you're either going to have an ir- irritation or frustrated. You're, you might feel great joy. When I did this, I felt like I missed some of the people that were in my life, even though we were actively hanging out. So I was like, what's that all about? And then worst of all is you have no reaction. You're kind of numb and you see the person's name. This is all really good information. And it's a starting point to be like, okay, definitely don't want to be here or here or here in this relationship. How did we get here? Do I still want to commit to it? And if so, how can we do it in a way that makes me feel excited and alive to engage with the person as opposed to like frustrated or nothing at all? And to back it up even further. So that's actually like an actionable thing you can start doing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I talk about in the book, the, the starting place and it feels counterintuitive because friendships are obviously relation, re- relational, but the starting place of how to have really good relationships, friendships in your life is you and really understanding what your needs are currently, right? And a lot of times when we look at like legacy friendships, friendships we've had from high school or middle school or even some in college, how those relationships were important for us then might not be what we need right now. And so you really need to be able to answer four fundamental questions, which is who am I? Where am I? How did I get here? And where do I want to go? And until you can answer those questions, and this isn't something you just think off the top of your head, you have to spend some time with yourself really understanding the answers to those questions. Until you feel confident answering those questions, it's really hard to assemble the relationships in your life that are going to be giving and supportive, right? We're kind of out there swinging blindly, just keeping these people in our lives without really understanding what our fundamental needs are. So the starting place is yourself. And then you look out and say, okay, now who's in my world and does it still make sense that they're here? And what are the holes? And who do I, and where do I need to go out and fill? Like, you know, some of these, you know, what am I missing here? Guys, I have something to tell you that you will be using this weekend, potentially even tonight, and you will be using this code and thanking me, okay? We're talking today about Alto. Alto is a beautiful, beautiful company, okay? This is my rideshare app of choice, if you will. Alto owns its fleet of five-star safety-rated luxury vehicles that are easy to find and clean between every passenger ride. It's amazing because it's the white cars with the Alto sign on it. Like, I love, right? And it's really easy to find. The drivers are W-2 employees, not contractors, and are interviewed, background-checked, train and performance manage so you always get a great and safe ride which is so important for everyone but especially the girls listening so many like drivers are not like background checked which is a little bit scary alto is designed with you in mind including in-app music control tap vibes in the app chargers wi-fi complimentary water a signature scent and backseat ac controls in every car my alto settings are like you know what actually let me share them with you they're a little bit of a personality trait I'm not kidding, guys. I actually can't make this up. My current vibe, my vehicle vibe is yeehaw. It says rowdy riffs for the road less traveled. I also have it to like, I just can't really talk because normally my rides are like really early in the morning for flights and uh, it's it's awesome, okay? The best part though, say goodbye to the rideshare lot. Alto picks up curbside at your favorite airports, LAX, San Francisco, DFW, DC, like just basically so many airports that don't allow you to get picked up right when you get out of the airport and you have to go to the rideshare lot, which is like the bane of my existence. After a day of traveling, it's the last thing I want to do. That is why I even started using Alto in the first place because they are picking up from LAX and I'm going to LA this week and I will be using Alto only, okay? Alto is currently on the road in Dallas, Los Angeles, Houston, Miami, DC, and San Francisco. So you guys can download the Alto app and use code I love you in the promotion section for $20 off your first two rides. Again, download the Alto app and use code I love you in the promotion section for $20 off your first two rides. I'm Sinead Grimes-Beach. And I'm Annalyn McCord. After years spent playing best friends on screen on 90210. And fighting like hell behind the scenes. Ah, yes. How could I forget? (laughs) We made it out of our time in Young Hollywood on a show that shared names with the most iconic zip code in the world. 
bonded for life, but not without a shit ton of baggage in tow. Now we are back together letting it all hang out on our new podcast, Unzipped. Tune in and unzip with us and our brilliant guests every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a friendship that you know is no longer good for you, how would you recommend like breaking that off? Do you think there needs to be a conversation? Do you think sometimes things fizzle out? Like how do we best navigate that? It really depends. So here's the thing. Every person is so complicated and nuanced, right? When you put them in relationship with another person, it's not double the complexity. It's like a thousand times the complexity, right? So That's the kind of caveat to what I'll say because you really do have to look at the specifics in any one situation, but you have to analyze the length of the friendship, the real importance of the friendship, like how valuable was this relationship to you historically? So it doesn't mean it's, it's obviously not that valuable right now, but was it? Did it play a major part? informing who you are and being there for you through times of need, celebrating big milestones. Like, how important was that relationship? And what is the personality of the other person? So in a perfect world, and this is assuming that this is a longstanding and has been historically an important relationship, you're going to want to try and have either a face-to-face or a phone call with the person. And that's the courageous move and that's the scariest move but that's the that's the move that is I think gives the relationship the most respect and the other person on the other side of this relationship the only time I would say not to do that is if the person in the relationship is extremely defensive extremely reactive if there's any sort of hostility right because the goal is when you're talking to the person and communicating why the why this friendship needs to you know go away or shift gears backwards in your life, however you want to kind of phrase it, is for you to be able to communicate the way you're feeling and for that to land with the person. And so if the other person is very defensive or reactive, what ends up happening is they feel that they're being confronted. They don't hear anything that you're saying and they kind of, you know, project it right back onto you. And so you get off the phone. There's a lot of emotion and none of the information has really been able to be distilled by the other person. So in that case, I would say, write a very thoughtful and thorough email so that the person can have that defensive reaction and then come back to it with a clearer head and at least have takeaways so that they're never left like, how did that end? How did we get here? It's like, well, it's all right here. They feel less defensive because it's not an in-person confrontation. Now, if it is a situation where, let's say you've been friends for like, I don't know, since since elementary school. And it's just like, it's nothing big and toxic, you know, has happened between you. But it's just like, we're in different places. There's kind of like just a cadence where you're both kind of like slowly exiting out of this. You don't need to say anything. That's just the natural flow of the relationship. And the expectation is the same. You guys are both kind of just like slowly dwindling apart. That's okay. That's just the natural ebb and flow of of, of certain relationships. Where you're going to want to say something, though, in that scenario is if you are like, I'm over this, I'm at a different place in my life, and the other person still keeps trying to engage you, either in plans or starting conversations on social or so in that case, the expectation is not the same. You want you have one foot out the door and have no interest, not because you have any terrible hard feelings. It's just you've grown in a different direction, but you've got this person that has a different expectation and they're keeping wanting to engage. In that case, it's better, and I don't think you have to have a phone call or whatever, but to be able to communicate, you know, something along the lines of, you know, I have a great respect for the the friendship that we've had over the years, but I feel like I cannot meet your needs. I'm in this place in my life, and I feel like just our expectations in this are are not aligned, and I I don't want to hurt feelings, and I I don't want to, you know, be frustrating. And I noticed that you keep asking me to engage. I just don't have bandwidth to do that. So I, you know, I just wanted to bring it to the table and say, this is where I'm at and this is my capacity. And I don't have bandwidth or capacity for this in the way we used to. And that's to do yourself a favor because we think like, oh, I'm just going to keep saying no. And I'm going to, you know, and then we start to get frustrated. Why isn't she getting it? She keeps asking me to do something. And I keep saying, no, like, when's she going to get this? And then you have a guilt phase where you're like, oh my God. I I keep saying no, but I can't do it. I don't want to. And sometimes then you even say yes just to get past. So think about all of the energy you're spinning and you think like, I'll just let this flow out 
that's the easiest way to do it. But it's actually not. When you look and you start calculating the energy you're burning, like the micro moments of guilt, frustration, whatever, it's much better to be able to, you know, take the five, 10 minutes to write that message than, you know, to have this play out over two years where like every four weeks you kind of, when they're, when she's trying to engage or he or whoever it is, where you're like, ah, you know, and then obviously on the other person's side, that's very frustrating because they're keeping trying to engage and it's a dead end. And so it's easier to just address these things and take action, right? As opposed to like letting the relationship kind of happen to you. Because often there's like one relationship and you think, oh, there's one relationship like that. But when you really start to look at it, and that's why the analysis piece of the people in your life is so important, there's actually usually like five or six people that you're doing this with. So that starts to be really meaningful in the amount of energy you're wasting. Something you should know about me is <laughs> that I have a hard time mm-hmm. letting go of things. Okay. And, and maybe not letting go is the right word, but like, for example, if someone, I'm very outgoing, I'm very friendly, I don't shut up. Like, right. I was just saying, I, my voice is going away, right. right? I'm always the person who's inviting everyone over. I make the plans. Like, I'm a very, I was a social butterfly in the fourth grade. Like, right. I'm a very social sort of girl. Right. And I really value friendship and I really value like certain people who have been in my life for a long period of time, which I think can get toxic. Right. I don't even like the word toxic, but it right. can. Well, I, t- I talk about that for sure. In the yes. But I think that that is a maybe an unhealthy habit that I have. Mm-hmm. But on the other end, like I will have a lot of friends, but there's only certain people because I'm so particular about like my closest circle. Right. It's very rare that I meet someone that I'm like, you are like, you're one of my best friends and like you're going on the trips. So we're going on girls trips and doing things like that. Right. So I do have like more of a boundary with that, but I also have an issue. And I think that's because I know I'm like, I don't want to like let these people go. Mm-hmm. But I've also been in friendships where one, I stayed for way too long and like either I was not for them or they were not for me. But what I've noticed in my 20s, which I thought was so interesting was there were friendships that I was holding on to because they were always there for me in the bad times and the worst times of my life. Right. And then as I got older and I started to realize like, this is kind of weird. They're actually only there for me in the bad times and never in the good. And I always thought that like to be a good friend, you're there in the bad, but you're there for both. Right. And I would just, I don't know. I was like operating in a lot of chaos and it was really weird. So how would you recommend me navigating like friendships like that? Well, that's inter- it's it's funny that you bring that up because that it's a great point. So often we look at who's who was there for me when I was down. And it's true. You need that support, right? But some friends, if you pay attention, almost keep you down. And, so, yes. and it starts out as like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Let's talk about it. But then three weeks later or four weeks later, and of course it depends what the, the, the drama or the trauma is that you're going through— they're still leading every conversation with that. They're still leaning into the pain and misery. And yet, when you get a promotion or you get a bajillion downloads on your podcast, they're nowhere to be found. And it's really important that you have people that not only lean into your own sense of misery, but are really there to celebrate when, you know, life is very hard, right? And so it is so important, not just in not just in friendships, but but across the board, when there is a small victory or, of course, a large victory, that you celebrate that. You take the time to stop, pay attention to it. And ideally, you are, your crew, your main kind of inner circle people are right there with you to, to cheerlead and congratulate and support you in that way too, right? So really important for when you're doing this kind of audit to look for that. That's like one of the biggest red flags. Is this person only there for me when I'm suffering or going through something? I need to look at that. You know, what's that all about? So what I recommend doing, again, let's assume that these are a long, this is a long-standing relationship, okay? You need to look at, was this always the case? Have they always only been there for me? Did they used to be kind of across the board and then there was a shift, a shift in the relationship? Okay, what was that all about? Do I sense that maybe their career has, you know, kind of plateaued, but I'm doing this and this is much more about their own kind of you know, their own, you know, feeling, their own self-worth or feeling like they're not accomplished. So it depends. Like if they've never been there for you for more than that, I think it's, and you've been friends for a long time, it's hard to change that behavior, right? If that's just been the nature of the relationship, if there is like they have supported you in both good and bad, 
for the majority of the relationship, but let, like in the last couple of years, it's only, they've only kind of lived in the misery zone with you, then I think that's worth bringing up with them and saying, I'm noticing this. And I notice and you, the way you can say it is, and I notice that when I'm celebrating, I miss you being there. And that's what kind of made me stop and think, wait a second. And when I look back, I notice that like, for the most of our relationship, you have been there across the board, but I noticed a shift starting about whenever you noticed it, like like a year ago. Can we talk about this? Is there something going on? You know, is there something we're going on? A lot of times, if the person has generally been behaving good in the relationship, participating in the relationship in a, in a healthy way, they're unaware of the shift, right? It's not intentional. It's subconscious. They're going through something and they're kind of projecting into your life and they themselves are being miserable. So they that's where they want to feel comfortable, right? And that's where they also feel helpful because they themselves are not feeling great. But so drawing awareness to that can actually really change the trajectory of the friendship. And it could be like, what? Oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. It can have a really positive effect and you guys can get back on the the trajectory where things are going, heading in the right direction. Or you can really tap into something where they're like, they get really defensive and angry and and it is about something that's going on in their life, but they're aware and it's almost been conscious that they're like, well, I don't know if it's conscious, but but at least subconscious, trying to have you stay down there with them. And that's a much worse outcome, right? And that's the type of conversation where if that's the direction where it goes, it goes, look, I love you, but I can't work through that stuff with you to get this back on track. So until you're willing to kind of take responsibility for where you're at in your own life, you can't show up in this relationship where where I need you to show up. And so you know, doors open for you if you want to, if you want to come back and we can talk about this, but I, you need to do, I think you need to do your own kind of self-work here for this to have any sort of future. At this point, I feel like we know that we need to be taking care of ourselves and we also know that we need to be taking a probiotic. We hear about these all the time, but the thing is, not all probiotics are created equal. And now it's a little bit overwhelming to even know what probiotic you need to get because like it's everywhere, right? Like some, they even have it like on tortilla chips, right? That, it, that's too good to be true, okay? But I have good news for you. Seeds DS01 Daily Symbiotic is the real deal. It's a broad spectrum two-in-one probiotic and prebiotic. I learned a lot through their course that they have. And apparently a lot of the probiotics that we are actually taking aren't even making it to the end of our track, which is like literally the whole entire point. So you're taking this for no reason and you're wasting your money and your time, okay? We don't do that. So if you've taken a probiotic before and you didn't feel a difference, it's likely because that good bacteria wasn't surviving your GI tract, which is like literally the entire point. See, it is designed differently and that is why it works. It supports benefits in and beyond the gut. Yes, seed will support ease of bloating, healthy regularity, and ease of evacuation, if you know what I mean. But it also supports your gut barrier, skin health, heart health, and micronutrient synthesis. Many see improvements in digestion within 24 to 48 hours, which can include bowel movement, regularity, and ease of bloating. To start a new healthy habit today, visit seed.com slash I love you and use code I love you to redeem 20% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. That is seed.com slash I love you and use code I love you. Again, guys, that is seed.com slash I love you and use code I love you for 20% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Guys, we need to talk about something that I have in my home that I absolutely love, and it is the Sage Aroma Diffuser. One, it is beautiful. It literally looks like it would be something that's in Kim Kardashian's house. Like, it is stunning. And then also, it sets the best, like, vibe for your home, and it makes it just—I'm all about the vibe of my house. I hate that I'm saying this, but I really am. Like, I care so much about what my home feels like because that is such an essential— part of my like mental and emotional well-being, okay? Sage believes in physical and emotional wellness for all, which is why they create 100% natural products to support you in making healthier choices every day. It's how they encourage all human beings on their journey to wellness. I am obsessed, obviously, with their diffuser and the essential oils. It just makes me feel so good. It sets the right vibe in my home, and it really helps me to like unwind and relax throughout the day. I love the Sage Natural Standard and their commitment to being 100% natural. 
I also love their commitment to eco-conscious ingredients and sustainability. And of course, I have great news for y'all. Right now, for I Love You So Much listeners, Sage is offering 20% off your order with code ILOVEYOU20 online at sage.com. Again, that is code ILOVEYOU20 for 20% off your order at sage.com. They have body care. They have diffusers. They have diffuser blends. They have essential oil blends. I mean, they literally have it all. So again, use code I love you 20 for 20% off your online order. Also, another question I just thought of. This is something I get. This kind of feels a little bit juvenile, but I feel like it probably happens like later in life as well. Girls have been sending in like, what do you do if you're kind of in like a group of friends? Yes. And you love two or three of them and they're like your best friends and then some other girls just don't either don't make you feel good about yourself or you just don't like being around. Right. How do you navigate a friend group like that? It's this is a question I get all the time. And the and and I wish the answer were really simple. It's not. The, remember how I just mm-hmm. said one person's really complex, you put two in the mix, it's bananas and then you've got eight. Yeah. Well, I mean you just have to do the math on that, you know. <laughs> but I think the first thing is you've got to so you you got you identify Okay, this is what's going on. Every time I show up, this person is either rude or, you know, or I just don't like what she has to say. I'm not loving her personality in this group anymore. Then you need to say, am I in any way contributing to the dynamic with her? Is there something like, am I bringing in anything? You want to you want to start with yourself, I think, before casting blame and really be thorough like, am I seeing something here that isn't doesn't exist? And why am I seeing that? If you If you ascertain like, no, this is, I just really don't love like the energy that she's bringing to, to either the group or to me within the group. Then you kind of have to sit back and look and say what without talking shit with the other people, because that's the worst thing you can start to do is start to try and make allies yeah. and pull people on your side. It, it, it never ends well when you do that. But when you're sitting back and looking at the dynamic or looking at past interactions or past group texts or whatever, you know, What's the general climate of the group towards this person? And if you feel like they're kind of cooled off towards this person, there might be an opportunity to discuss it. If you feel like it's business as usual and everybody else seems to be really vibing, then you've got a bit of a problem, right? Mm-hmm. You've got a choice to make. Do I? How much is this person bothering you? Is it a case where, let's say, Let's say fundamentally you have a kind of disagreement on like a philosophy about life or maybe like a political thing or and every time she's showing up, she's saying things that like offend your sensibility of the way, you know, the work, the world should work. Right. According to you. Then you can either try and handle it within the group where you start to speak up and say, well, actually, I disagree with that. And da, 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 and see how that lands. Because sometimes just that, it's not even pushing back, but standing up and saying like, or addressing like, actually, I thought, I think you're being rude. And here's why. But you do it in the group context, right? You're not necessarily calling it out separately and see how that lands. If it's, if that doesn't work, right? You have to start to ask yourself, how much do I really want to be in this group? Could I be better served by being friends individually with Sarah, Melissa, and Andrea one-on-one? And I kind of step away from this group dynamic because I don't want this. It just depends how much you're interacting with this group and how much it's bothering you, this person, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a tricky, it's, it's, it's a tricky thing to answer because give me a specific. What, do, you, do you have a specific of, oh, or these are questions that people have asked yeah, you, right? So it's not for a, you. Yeah. I can give a specific just for group settings that I really dislike yeah. that I was going to bring up anyways. Yeah. And this makes me, I want to preface this by saying it makes me feel like a horrible person. Okay. I really don't like when girls are talking really negatively about their bodies. Okay. Around, I don't want to be around it. And I haven't even dealt with, and I don't mean like, by the way, I don't mean like, I don't like people are insecure. We're all insecure. Right. That's not what I mean. Right. But when someone is like repeatedly talking so poorly about their bodies mm-hmm. around other people, of friends of mine that like have dealt with body, severe body right. image right. issues. And I have not even gotten like down that road. And it just something about it. I'm like, I don't like it. And then I'm also like, you are your five best friends. I don't want my life to go down this route. And I feel like a horrible person. Why? 
because I'm like, I feel bad because they're insecure. And so, yeah, I guess I, I just feel bad voicing it because I feel almost like bitchy. But it's like, I don't want to well, be around gotta, that. You have to ask yourself, okay, when you're faced with, with, with this kind of dilemma, okay? And I'm glad you brought up this example. Am I going to choose me or am I going to choose her? Well, you choose you every single time. That's, that's the only way you could ever choose somebody else, right? Is by choosing yourself first. And so if that is kind of, if that body negativity is number one, slipping into the subconscious of the, you know, the collective energy of the group, if it's somehow affecting you negatively in, in the sense that you're now, you, you're taking on that energy and, 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 and you feeling bad about your body or, or you feeling nervous that it's affecting somebody else badly in the group. But by the way, that's also not your responsibility is to navigate how somebody else is feeling in the group, yeah, right? Because that's, that's their own work as well. But it, it definitely goes against you being a bad person because you are really thinking about everybody else in that group. But you need, that's a good example of, of the conversation we kind of just had in the sense of like talking to that person and saying, look, I understand you are feeling insecure about your body. We all we all have insecurities, just like you said. But I feel like you're bringing it to a level that it feels like you need to do your own work on this. And until you do your own work on this, it feels like it's polluting this kind of group, the, yes. the group waters that we have going here. And and I'm concerned it's affecting other people negatively in the group. Nobody said that to me. And I know that's not my cross to bear. And that's something I guess I will have to deal with. But I'm just going to call out that I don't want to sit here and feel bad or nervous every time we hang out that you're going to start shaming yourself because I don't know how to deal with that. And, and, and frankly, the reason I don't know how to deal with that is because you're the only person that can actually really deal with that. And so I'm happy to talk through it with you. I'm not sure if you're just saying these things like, as a default thing that now you say, or if you really mean them, but either way, there's a problem to solve here or to work on at least, not to solve. Well, ultimately to solve, but to start working on. And I don't think that makes you a bad person. You're calling out behavior that is self-destructive that is also kind of at least just being destructive to the group. And all of these things that I talk about in the book in terms of these friendships being over, and by the way, as you know, there's only one chapter on this book of how to break up with your friends. There's nine on the importance of friendship and how to do them better. But when we talk about friendships ending, it's so rarely, as the media portrays it, like some, one big sabotage where, you know, she stole my man or she took my job, you know, or, or whatever. It's so rarely this one big stab. It's much more common than it's death by a thousand cuts, right? It's these little micro misbehaviors that end up growing into a big chasm between people. And so like when I hear this story about one of the members showing up and, you know, self-shaming and, you know, disrespecting herself or what, however you want to preface it, that enters into the kind of ethos of that friend dynamic. And again, it's not one big, like she was an absolute jerk and blew this grand group up, but that kind of thing, interaction over in interaction starts blowing the group apart. Right. Yeah. And and that you want to stop that. And with that specifically, I find that it just like permeates throughout the whole friend group. And then exactly. it gets worse and worse and that's, worse. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. And it's not some big blunt tra tra force trauma to the yes. relationship. It's this cumulative, just like people start to feel bad hanging out together. And you can't, you know, all of a sudden, you know, two years down the line, you go, God, I don't want to hang out with any of these people. When it, when that's not where it started. The germination started with one person unaware of how their bad behavior, I put that in quotes because it's whatever, their lack of awareness around how they're behaving can spread throughout the friend group. And all of a sudden, there's people not feeling great in this dynamic. And nobody knows how they got there. And so it's really important to call this stuff out, not rudely or disrespectfully, you know, you do it with love and respect, but you, it's a boundary. You put up a boundary. I just can't participate in this if this is what, if this is what participating in this means, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, and it's out of trying to save those, that group relationship because it probably is good, you know, net, net, right? But you want to protect that. Yeah, absolutely. So in that setting, let's say it's happening, would you recommend, like, Conversation-wise, like, do you pull this person aside? Yes. Okay. I would not. When it's something like that, if somebody's being rude, I think it's fine to say, hey, 
you know, I feel like you're being rude. And you don't have, it doesn't have to be an attack, but like, hey, I feel like you're being rude. If it's something about like in this particular case, which is, it is really self-shaming and self-defeating, you don't want to call that person out necessarily public publicly because it's a vulnerable topic. That to me is much more of a, hey, can I talk to you, you know, for a minute? Like as you're waiting to leave for your cars, you know, everybody's getting their car or something like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And, you know, and I think that's where it's going to land the best, right? You you don't want the person to be defensive. And if you do that in front of a group, that it's not necessary. And you don't want other people to then, you don't know how the energy of the, what you're saying is also going to be, some some people in the group could be like, hey, hey, I don't feel that way. Hey, hey. So it's it, it's really about the way you're feeling within this group. Okay. And, and, that's, and that's what you're communicating. Okay, great. All right, y'all. Summer is coming to an end. And if you know me, I've always been more of a fall girl anyways. So I'm kind of living for it, right? But you guys can enjoy the last bit of warm weather this Labor Day, whether you're soaking up the sun at the beach, packing up for a picnic, or hosting a barbecue. Macy's has the fun bathing suits, double duty sunscreens, fluffy towels, jewel-toned serveware, which I love, and so much more to wrap up your summer on a high note. Head over to macy's.com. That is Macy's.com. You guys need these all of your Labor Day essentials, all right? I'm saying let's dress up. Let's have a little dinner party. It can be more of like barbecue style. You need the jewel-toned silverware. They have really cute stuff to like set the table. You obviously need the sunscreen. Don't forget. But they literally have everything from the outfit that you're going to wear there to the things that you're going to serve, to the fluffy towels, to the sunscreen, like Macy's literally has everything you could ever possibly need, okay? So again, head over to Macy's.com. Again, that is Macy's.com. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. So one thing about me is that I love a good cliche. If there's anything to know about me, I say it's such a cliche and annoying, but I somehow continue to tell everyone the cliche. So I think... I just need to come to terms with the fact that I actually love cliches. And one of them that I heard a while ago that I love, it was something along the lines about how we need to stop pointing with our pointer finger and start pointing with our thumb finger, okay? I just totally butchered that. But it's the idea of being like a solution-minded person and pointing at yourself versus pointing at the problem or other people, right? And listen, we all naturally love to point out the problem and to not take responsibility and not focus on any solutions, right? We all do it, okay? I've done it a billion times. I probably did it like five times today and it's like, it's literally noon. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with the challenge in life. But when you learn to find your own solutions, there is no better feeling. The therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals no matter how big or small. Now listen, I have been in therapy, in and out of therapy, since I was in the fifth grade. I know how much of a benefit in much of a difference actually that it's made in my life. I feel so much more like myself. I'm less stressed. I'm more confident. I have a better relationship with myself. I feel like I'm really trying to stay on top of dealing with my issues, whether they're present or in the past, so that I have a better future, if you will, okay? I think therapy is good for the majority of people. It's great to unload stress. It's great for emotional healing. It helps with anxiety and depression. I cannot recommend it enough, okay? And if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's entirely online. You get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapist at any time. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash Kenzie, K-E-N-Z-I-E, today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Kenzie. So how would you recommend people make friends in their 20s? So it's such a difficult time right now, obviously, coming out of COVID. And like people are all working from home and we don't know like what the future landscape is going to be. Is it going to be hybrid? Are people going back to offices? And why I bring that up is obviously just literally getting out of your house in the morning and going to get a coffee and you know walking to your car and then obviously being in an office. You have all these different opportunities throughout the day to meet people. When you that's taken away and mostly you're sitting in front of your computer all day, it makes it that much more difficult to like just to inter- interface with other humans, right? So you really have to be intentional about it. And much like 
Like, let's say you're at a phase in your life, you're like, you're single and you're like, oh, I want to start dating somebody. What do you do? You tell your other friends, hey, I think I'm going to start dating. Do you know anybody? You know, whatever. I'm going to, you put yourself out there. Literally, you put the vibes out there. I am single and want to meet somebody. The same should be true. And it feels so weird and counterintuitive, but the same should be true about finding new friendships. Hey, I actually feel like I have a couple holes in my friend roster. You know, I need somebody in this purpose. I need somebody for this purpose. I need a relationship, I should say, for this purpose and this purpose. Put it out there. Like if you are starting your first job, right, and it's in, you know, some creative industry, literally saying to friends around you, hey, you know, I'm in this kind of new, exciting place, but I feel like I don't have anybody that has a shared experience with me. Do you guys know anybody that's in a similar boat? I'd love to connect with them. You know, it's it's finding ways, first of all, just manifesting friendships. So putting it out there and then also really being intentional in the way you're operating in the world. So like I say all the time, if you have a dog, instead of walking your dog, just walking your dog on the same route every day, go to a dog park, right? You know that there's for sure a group of people there that have at least one thing in common with you. They like dogs. They have dogs, right? And when you're there, look around, be open. Is there anybody cool here? Is there anybody that I feel like, oh, I'm kind of curious about this person? If so, throw your ball over there, make your way around and try and strike up a conversation. It doesn't mean like you're going to be like, hey, do you want to go for coffee right now? But Maybe you'll see them again in two weeks when you're there next, when you, whatever. But you really need to put your energy out there. You like to jog? Great. Stop going in the same four-mile radius that you do every time. Find a jogging club. Doesn't mean you have to do it every time you go jogging. But again, you're putting yourself in a situation where there's a group of people you know you have at least one thing in common. They like to jog, right? So when you start doing that, you're just putting the intention out there. I'm trying to find a new friend. I want a new friendship, a new relationship in my life. And so you got to put yourself in the position where you're going to find those those people and you want to have be, you know, aligned, you know, at least on some level. So, you know, you've got certain things in common. So that's what I would say. And it feels really weird. And, you know, one of the reasons I wrote this book is, as you know, I'm, I'm a therapist. And in the classic world of therapy, there is individual therapy, couples therapy, family therapy, but there's no such thing as friendship therapy. And, you know, while I'm not necessarily advocating for friend couples to run out and get a therapist to help them solve their problems, although I don't think that's a bad idea, what it means to me is there's no language out there in the zeitgeist of how to navigate conflict in these relationships, right? And so we've, you've, we've talked about a lot of examples here where you feel like you're in a, in a conflictual state with a friend but don't know how to get out of it, right? So there's no language around navigating conflict and there's no blueprint of for how to get out of a bad, you know, of a bad relationship or to get into a new good relationship. And so that's why it feels so awkward because nobody's talking about these things. Nobody knows really what, what are the generally expected rules of how to navigate these, these relationships. And so, you know, when I say when I was being interviewed and I was talking about the dog park situation and, and the person that I was talking to was like, so what do you mean? You just go up and be like, start talking to them. And then you'd be like, well, hey, would you like to go to coffee at some point? And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, wouldn't you do that if you were trying to date the person or they, or they would ask you? And so, yeah, I mean, obviously you're not looking to sign up for life and share finances and kids with a friend. So it's not exactly, you know, apples to apples. But if you want a relationship, go out and get it. Mm-hmm. right? Stop waiting for these relationships to happen to you, right? Then you're operating out of a position of being passive. That's the, you never want to be that. You want to be taking action, making decisions, thoughtful decisions, and then taking action around them. So yeah, it's going to feel weird because we don't talk about this and nobody does it like that. But yeah, if you want a friend, go out and get one. Put it out there that you want a friend. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? The person's going to be like, oh, weirded out and like, oh, I don't know. Probably won't ha- won't happen like that. You know, they're probably like, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. And people are a lot more open to like making new friends than yeah, you think. Exactly. But my, one of my biggest pet peeves is right. people complaining all the time with no solution. And I'm like, what? If you were complaining about having no friends, have you invited a single person to go do anything in the past six months? No, probably not. And so, that's why the, it always starts with your own behavior. It's yes. Like, right. It's always like nobody's 
you know, I don't have this person in my life. Nobody's asking me to do things. Well, when's the last time you asked somebody to do, do things? When's the last time you put yourself in a position where you could really activate new people in your life? It's got to start with you. And also just think about how like most people, like you want to be the person who's asked. You don't want to be the person who's doing the asking, right? right? And then think about like when you're so scared of asking. If you are the person who is so scared of asking, that person is probably going to be grateful that you were the one who did it. Totally. And st- so like flip the narrative of like, oh, they don't want to do anything or they're going to think I'm weird to them being like, oh, thank God you're the one who said something. Right. You know, I, we have to change this mindset of 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 not taking risks and not taking chances and for expecting life or in this case, friendships to happen to you. You need to happen to life and to friendships. Period. Yep. So this idea that, you know, and I get it, of course, of course, it's nice to be asked to do something. Of course, that feels good. You know, you feel wanted and desired and that's good. And by the way, there should, when you look overall, there should be like an equal distribution of like being asked and asking, right? So when you're feeling like, oh, I wish that that person would ask me, just know that you want to strike a balance here. And so ask them, right? And Pay attention to when you're being asked, but also pay attention to how many times you've asked. And often that answer, that number, way smaller than the amount of invitations you've received. And that's, you're out of whack. That's that relationship or those relationships happening to you. You need to happen to them if you want them to have any kind of life, energy, and longevity. What do you do if you feel like you are the friend who's always inviting people to do things, Mm -hmm. but they're never inviting you? Yeah, that's got to be a conversation. And it doesn't mean a breaking up conversation. It's an awareness. It's like, let's bring awareness to what's happening here. I feel like I'm always the one instigating, hanging out. And I wonder just to myself sometimes, if I didn't instigate, would we just never see each other? That that doesn't feel good. And so I just wanted to bring it to both of our attention. Is there something going on here? Is it just that I'm the one that's always asking so you don't feel compelled to ask? Because that's also too, again, bring it back to you. Are they not asking you because they know you're going to ask them, right? Have you given them, them enough space to put the invite to you? Or are you always there trying to manage and, and, and organize the friendship? We'll do this, you know, this week. And in two weeks, we'll do that, you know. So you have to give them a little space also to operate. And that might be what comes out in the conversation that you have. Oh, well, I just, you're so on it. I, I feel like you're the social coordinator for this relationship. Okay, but I'm not comfortable being that anymore. And and it's partially me. I know just being always like on it and inviting. But as I said, you know, like I just feel like, man, if I didn't invite, would we even have a friendship anymore? And so I wanted that. That kind of hurts me thinking, you know, and is that true? And what can we do about it? That's like the perfect script. <laughs> well, you know, there are scripts in the book. Yeah. Literal conversation starters. I mean, not, not that one particularly, but because it's hard. Again, like this, these types of conversations are not out there. And mm-hmm. they're just not out there. And that's the whole purpose of the book is like, let's get them out of here. And here's literally how to start this conversation and that conversation and that conversation so that it stops feeling so weird and foreign and awkward and uncomfortable. And so we stop accepting less than we should. No, so helpful. Okay, I want to talk about how your earliest earliest friendships impact your current friendships. Yes. So again, starting with the self, it's really important when you're looking, when you're starting to just do this work at the beginning to look at your first friendships. How were you socialized by your parents? How were you socialized by the school or schools you went to? And how did you just show up in the world in these relationships? And often when you look at that, you start to have this kind of formula and go, ah, it makes a lot of sense why I'm, why I operate in my relationships right now. And some of that information is really like that you get is really good. And it's like, oh yes, I, I have this strong friendship trait because of X, Y, Z. I have this, da, da, da. Like you're a very social person, you just said, and you're the coordinator. Looking back on, is that how I originally started as a person? Or or was that how I was socialized? Like was my mom or was my dad really social and always throwing parties or things like that? And I talk about this in the book. Like I had a mom that was very social and was always throwing dinner parties. And I just thought that was the way to, you know, that's the way one should show up in life. In fact, I took it to the extreme where I co-founded a company called Leaf TV, which is all about, you know, or at least a large part, it was all about, you know, being social and putting on the perfect dinner party and et cetera, et cetera. And I 
I started to realize I was so exhausted all the time. And I was like, why am I so exhausted all the time? And I had this epiphany because I'm not really that social. I'm actually an introvert, which is true, right? I have some extrovert tendencies, but I'm very fundamentally an introvert. And how come I'm out here putting on these dinner parties and literally founding a company doing all this? And when I look back, I said, oh, because that's the way I thought it should be because that's the way my mom was. But that's not true to the core of who I was. I just never stopped to look at the core of who I was. And so when we look back, it's really important to separate how we were socialized versus you know, how we were just really born into the world. And maybe some of that stuff is for good and maybe some of the stuff is for bad. So if you are feeling like, for example, you know, in therapy, there's this thing called attachment, attachment theory. And I love attachment theory. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of for anybody listening that doesn't know, it's like the, when you're born and we're first born into the world, ideally you want to have a secure attachment. And that means a caregiver or two caregivers, mom or dad or mom and mom or, or whoever, a family member, is really there for the child meeting all of the basic needs in, in, in the sense that like they're always being fed when they're hungry. They're always being held when they're scared or crying. They're always, so basically meeting basic but profound needs while the child is developing basically up until about age five. I mean, it's good if it continues you know, your whole life, but those major development years up until age five. And that's called a secure attachment. And the way, and that's where you want to, that's like the most ideal situation. And that that person usually operates pretty healthily in all of their relationships. I mean, they, nobody gets it perfect, but they have a really solid grounding. They feel safe and protected within relationships. If you do not have the benefit of having those people in your lives, and for example, if there's any sort of abuse or trauma and needs are, needs are not being met, you can have a very insecure attachment, right? And so you can show up even though outwardly you feel like you trust people, subconsciously you don't. And so you're bringing a lot of anxiety and angst, you can be, into your relationships. And so it's really important to look at, you know, just exactly how you were brought into the world. There's another thing called an avoidant attachment, which means you probably had a caregiver or two that were there and they were meeting basic physical needs, but emotionally, like, and this can happen if a, if a mother or father is severely depressed, right? If like there's severe postpartum depression, for example. So the mom is there, she's meeting physical needs, like baby's being fed, but emotionally they cannot connect to the baby. So the baby can be avoidant in the sense of like, they're there, but they're not really there, right? And so looking at how you were brought up and brought into the world also can really give a lot of information. And we talk a lot about this in, in couples therapy where you're looking at, you know, and that's how you are interacting with a romantic couple, but it's just as true within these friend groups. So really understanding how you were socialized and then kind of what your attachment style is can really help bring information and value. And again, this is about the self, but like how you're showing up in relationships and could I be showing up in a better and different way or a healthier way? And we all could be showing up a little bit better, you know, and that's, you know, what I talk a lot about in the book. So even if you, you think you're the, the greatest friend alive, there's probably a lot of stuff that we could be doing better. Oh, absolutely. I love attachment theory. <laughs> I learned about it in 2020. I also like, I love personality tests. Yeah. I'm a three in the Enneagram. Like I love all right. that stuff. Yeah. But the attachment theory tests and just everything behind it helped me learn the most about myself Exactly. anything has. Right. The book Attached if, if in a dating way is really yeah. helpful. Yeah. It's great. I didn't even think about it in regards to friendship, which is so, so crazy right. because I'm so into that That's stuff. Right. But I'm so, in, like I, my friends are my, favorite part of my life. Right. So it is crazy that I didn't even think about it in that that's aspect. Right. And that's the that's the point of this book is to draw awareness because we've got so much aware. I I was I was being interviewed and I think I said this on the Skinny Confidential mm -hmm. podcast that you watched, but by Maria Menounos. And Maria at the end of the interview was like, okay, Aaron, Aaron, I have this friend and we've made plans like no joke 10 times over the course of the last two years and concrete plans, date, place, time. And without fail, the night before or the morning of, I get a text from the friend canceling. And she goes, look, look, look. She holds, holds the phone. And I go, like a scroll through. Yeah, that's definitely true. She goes, what do I do with this friend? And I said, Maria, I've got news for you. You're not in a friendship with this person. Okay. 
there is an imbalance of expectation. You're in some kind of weird relationship, but it is not a friendship because this friend is not showing up for you. This friend is not committed to this relationship. And it might not be personal. She might be going through a lot of other stuff, you know, but the, the casualty is this friendship. And I said, let me, let's look at it a different way. If this were a guy that you just started dating or a, a romantic partner that you just started dating and they canceled not one, not two, and she said, no, 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 they'd be done. I was like, exactly. You would never have let this get to 10 times being canceled. Why are we doing this? Because we're not thinking, we're not applying what we know relationally with romantic relationships or family relations to the friendship group. And so we're tolerating so much stuff that we would never otherwise tolerate just because, again, we, it's just not out there in the zeitgeist to have these kind of boundaries and awareness about these relationships and how we're operating in them. I had a friendship coach on maybe a year and a half ago And she was giving us some sort of study and giving us stats on something. And my best friend was on with me. And she, there was some study that was like the 12 most important qualities in a friend. And one of them was self-confidence. Right. Which was so interesting because before that, I wouldn't have agreed. But then I was like, that makes complete sense because it's all about yourself. Of course. And then, I mean, obviously insecurity is just unhealthy and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it was so interesting. Are there any other qualities in a friendship that you think makes a good friend that maybe wouldn't be as obvious? Well, I think the thing is that that you really want, number one, what you really need to look for is when you're looking at your group of friends is you need to make sure it's great. And I talk about this in the book. It's really great to have friends who know where you came from, who've kind of seen who you are at various, especially younger versions of yourself, Right. And it's nice to have friends that have a ton in common with you because it feels like you don't have to explain anything. You know, you can, they can finish your sentences. Mm -hmm. You really feel like you're, you can be yourself and you're seen and heard in these relationships. But what you don't want to have is an echo chamber. You don't want to have created a group of people that all kind of think, think, think like you and and operate in the world like you. You want to make sure they have the same core values. That is absolutely important. You never want to compromise on core values. If you if you have different different core values, this is never going to work. And you've got to ask yourself what kind of trade you're doing to be in this relationship. It's not good. So you want to have the same core values. But what you want to actively be doing, and I think is 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 seeking out friendships with people that have a very different either upbringing or, you know, religion or sexual identity. And it's not about going out and finding a a token, you know, gay friend. That's not what this is about. It's about energetically being curious about people living different lives than you. And because the more you open up your aperture, you know, uh, uh, on who you are curious about and want to spend time with, the more you develop as a person. Because those relationships open up parts of yourselves that you could never otherwise open up on your own or through somebody that had just had the exact same kind of life experience as you, right? And so I think that's one of a really great thing to do. You know, some, somebody a different age than you, right? We're talking about the 20s. But having a good friend that's like maybe 10 years older than you or even 20 years older than you, and that doesn't mean that you're seeing them every week, there's a ton of wisdom there, right, that you can learn Mm -hmm. from. Or maybe having a friend that's five or six years younger than you, you could show up in that friendship in a different role, right? So you're expanding who you are and your abilities and your capabilities and your view of the world expands with when you have people that are, you know, different from you. It's a much more dynamic experience. So that's kind of one thing that I think that people don't think of. But I also think we need to be really careful about how much net net, I think the best relationships, you leave feeling positive. And that doesn't, I don't mean happy, but you feel a positive energy. So often, and especially coming out of COVID, it's just been such a, you know, and we've had just, you know, we've had like the greatest hits just going like pre-COVID and after, you know, we're a lot going on in the global landscape that is yeah. that is dark and depressing. So it's easy to lean into that, right? But what can happen is you ulti- that starts to be driving the friendships, is, is feeling it, kind of what we talked about at the beginning, negativity, darkness, and it feels kind of comfortable and, and safe. But you want to make sure that every relationship you feel positive and energized in. And, and that goes right to self-confidence, right? Also, like feeling like the best version of yourself 
in this relationship. And that doesn't mean you're happy all the time. That means you can cry. That means you can be depressed. That means you can have anxiety. Those are just not the things that are leading in that, in that friendship, right? That's not the dynamic that's leading. You want to feel whole and seen and confident. And those, that, those are the relationships you want to seek out and really nurture and foster. That was so helpful. Thank you so much. I've loved this episode. Oh, thank you. Me too. So good. Okay, can you let the listeners know where they can find you and buy the book? Sure. So the book is available wherever you buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and a, a ton of indie bookstores. And I'm. you can find me at Erin Faulkner or at Pick the Brain on, so, on all things social. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I felt like it was a really good one about friendship, especially in your 20s, making friends, navigating the like, you know, weird spots that always happen. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed. Again, shop the sale, set your alarms for the 6th at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The new Breadwinning Housewife set is available and you guys will love it. I promise. Hope you guys enjoyed. I love you guys so much and I will talk to you in the next episode. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.